are now listening to Late Hit Pro Football Radio. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Late Hit with Matt and Tyler. We're going to get into some topics from around the league since we talked to you guys last. And then at the end of the show, we're going to wrap up with our State of the Franchise segment with our two teams. Um, So our first topic that we're going to get into here is about Giants and running back Saquon Barkley. Uh, he did not attend the team's mandatory minicamp. Uh, do you think he's going to hold out beyond minicamp until he gets a deal done with this team? Uh, well, they definitely resumed contract talk, so um, I think it'll be done before then. Um, he'll probably be on like a one-year fully guaranteed or something like that. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a multi-year. I think what we have talked about before in the past, it's it's an it, it's an injury concern issue. Right. Uh, um, it's just, you know, this is, was his literally his only healthy season um, from away from his lower body injuries he's known to have. So it's just, I don't know, they're just playing safety there. And uh, I think it's smart on their end. And, you know, I would go with a one year on him if that's the way I was going to do it. Do you think, though, if he does decide to hold out because they don't give him a contract, do you think they eventually fold and sign him to a deal? Or do you think if he decides to hold out, they let him hold out? Um, I mean, if he's going to hold out, I don't know. It's a running back, so, I mean, who do they got as, as a replacement? Uh, I believe Matt Breida is their backup right now. He was used to be – he was former – Miami Dolphin and a former San Francisco 49er. So he's not he's not terrible, Matt Breida, but he's yeah, definitely but, not Saquon Barkley. Yeah, and uh, as far as the Giants, Saquon is the biggest asset on the team. Right. So it's a little like uh, I would consider him more of an asset than Daniel Jones right on that particular team. Yeah. So it's a little bit different than most teams um where your quarterback is, you know, the guy if where if they hold out you're like, okay, we need to get this done. Yeah. Um and on the Giants situation, if Saquon holds out, it's kind of like we kind of have no choice but to get it done or right. what are we doing at uh running back if Saquon's not there because I'm not putting my my uh my football in Matt Breda's hands uh, yeah. to try to win me ball games. That's just not that guy's style. So, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think they really have much of a choice. And uh, I think we can agree. This, Like we said, this is Saquon's first full season where he was actually healthy the whole year and mm-hmm. they made the playoffs. And every other year since he joined the team, he hasn't played a full season and they haven't made the playoffs. So if you're Saquon Barkley and his agent and, you know, his side of the team, like you could make the argument for – the Giants need him to win games and to make the playoffs. And it's kind of hard to argue against that when we've seen them be way more successful with him than they are without him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's just Giants aren't very loaded as a, as a whole. So on offense, no defensively. Yeah. They've got some pretty good. They talent. got better. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, uh, as, as but we still as, didn't see anything as other than what we saw last year. So, you right. know, it, you know, it's yeah, all but, up in the air. As far, yeah, as far as offense goes, Saquon's definitely their best player on offense. Mm-hmm. And he would be the best player on a lot of offenses. But, right. unfortunately, he has an injury bug that he just can't seem seems to get rid of. To, yeah, he can't seem to get rid of besides the 2022 season. And, you know, hopefully it stays that way for him. But, uh I just feel like uh, they'd be smart if they ended it with a one-year deal and anything more than that would just be a risk. Or at least, like, sign him to maybe, like, a a two-year extension or something. Nothing extravagant, but something to, you know, make him want to stay, but also something to protect them as well, just mm-hmm. in case. Because you never know in today's day and age, like, you continue to talk about running backs or – very injury prone and you know the life of a running back isn't very long mm-hmm. right so we'll we'll see what happens we'll keep you guys posted if if a deal gets done or if he decides that he's holding out and not playing this season uh you know we'll keep you definitely keep you guys updated on that mm-hmm. okay so the weird situation with the bills and uh stefan diggs is just 
mind-boggling. Uh, no one really knows what's going on there. Um, but, you know, last week when minicamp started on Tuesday, um, head coach Sean McDermott said that Diggs was not at the team's mandatory minicamp, and he called his absence very concerning. Um, but then Diggs and his agent says that his client was in Buffalo the whole time and had been since Monday morning, um, and that he took his physical – he met with Coach McDermott and General Manager Brandon Bean, and uh, he showed up to minicamp. But, you know, there's a lot of rumors circling around Diggs and the Bills that he doesn't want to be there, and he's trying to get out of there. Uh, so it's just very puzzling what's going on there and concerning if I was a Bills fan, not knowing whether or not he was going to be back this year to play for the team or if they're going to trade him. Yeah, and it's been – he's been frustrated since last year, and – uh you know, the whole thing was last year is it seemed like he wanted more of a say in the play calling. Right. Which, you know what I mean? People might say, you know, he's just a receiver. He shouldn't really have a say, but he's their biggest playmaker on the team. And he's a lot of what makes Josh Allen what Josh Allen is. Right. Um, yeah. I'm sure you could agree with that to that at least. Some, I do. Yeah. To some extent. And uh, also with this season, Stefan Diggs, restructured his contract uh, in hopes to land DeAndre Hopkins, and then that didn't even happen. So then he just restructured his contract for nothing. Yeah. So that there's there's a bunch of stuff that they're playing out, and it could – I don't know that it's going to push him away this season, but it could kind of end with bad blood as of next season. Yeah, I mean, it, he's definitely frustrated. Anyone can see that, you know, especially, you know, the way he was acting towards the end of their playoff game um, against the Bengals there last year. You could tell he was extremely frustrated with Josh on, Allen. On the, the sideline, side throwing his arms up. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's definitely, I would say, at his breaking point with this team. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I, I can still see him staying there and playing this season, but if they have another early playoff exit or, you know, win one, lose one, like they did last year, I, I think Diggs is probably going to make some noise and, you know, tell this team that he wants a trade or at least. Because, um, like I said, we, we've seen him. He's fed up with the team, but I think he's at the point where he still wants to play football, and I don't think the Bills – are going to honor any, any trade request that he might have this uh, offseason. Uh, right. Because, like you said, he has made this team better, and he's been a big key factor to Josh Allen's success. So I think Buffalo realizes that they need him. So I think they're going to keep him, and they're going to try and make him happy and make him want to stay there. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to, really, especially this there's all the top targets, top free agent targets pretty much gone. And uh, you're heading quickly into 2023 season. So you got to just try to make them happy and, you know, do what you can. But, you know, I think Stefan Diggs is kind of a diva type, which most of them are when they're that good. Uh, I feel like that's a, a big, it's a common trend. Most, most of the good wide receivers like that are divas. Most of them, yeah. Ninety yeah. probably ninety nine percent of them, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Uh and so, you know, it, it comes with the territory and as an organization you just have to realize when you got a guy like that, um, that's just the energy they're gonna bring to the team, but that's also what they do to the locker rooms as well. You know, they bring the energy to the locker rooms. So they're a huge asset on the team and I just don't think you should. I think you should go out of your way to try to make somebody like that comfortable, just like you know, anybody would. Like um, trying to think of other like Tyree Kills and those and kind of guys. Justin you know Jefferson, I mean? your Jamar Chase. Jefferson. Yeah, they're yeah. all big divas, and that's right. just they've. It's always been like that. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I I can agree with you. I I would I would. Not really go out of my way too much to make him happy, but I would definitely sit down and have a conversation with him and see what it's going to take to make him happy and make him want to stay there. Yeah, and if he wants some play, some say in the playbook and stuff, they should. You know, and I'm only bringing this up because this is the only scenario I really know. 
because I've watched so much film, but right. uh, from this from this team, but like Michael Irvin and uh, the '90s Cowboys, <laughs> you're stupid if you don't think Michael Irvin had say in some of the play calling and stuff. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, he's yeah. another one of those divas. He, he Straight diva, probably one of the biggest. Yeah, oh yeah, and that's that's that goes a long way for the locker room. You know, like I was just saying. So that's not just you know himself talking up the uh, the other team and running his mouth. He's also hyping up his own team. You know, right. so that's huge. And I think he should have a little bit of say. You know, that's just my opinion. Like if he wants to, you know, he's going to be your lead receiver on most of your plays. So. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I mean I, I would like I definitely agree with you. I think they should make him happy. I mean, he's gonna be a big part of this offense next year as well, just like he was last year and the year before that. Um I mean they've gotten some other key pieces on their offense as well, but you know, he's definitely their best player, arguably their best player next to Josh Allen. So I mean I, I would definitely try and keep him as happy as I possibly could and, you know, try to keep him there this season and want to be there beyond this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the Colts have agreed to terms with former Bucks wide receiver Brashad Perryman and 11 games played last year. He caught nine passes for 110 yards, one touchdown. And then from 2021 into last year, he played a total of 17 games and caught a total of 20 passes for 277 yards and two touchdowns the last two years. So not really uh, a standout wide receiver um, from last year and the year before. Um, but I think he's been, you know, especially playing with Tom Brady there the last two years, I think he um, came up big when he needed to. Um, and I think the Colts are just trying to, you know, build a good wide receiver core around, uh, Anthony Richardson, just to get him kind of acclimated into the NFL. So not, not nothing too much as exciting as a signing, but um, I think this is a good signing for them. I think he's he's going to be a solid wide receiver. Yeah, and uh, I don't. I think he had a bit of an injury issue the last few years too, didn't he? So uh, yeah, he he missed some time. Yeah, so I'm not sure he's the most reliable person, but like you said, it's just. You know, it is what it is. It's yeah. uh, you're just trying to fill a roster space and get your guys some a little bit of whatever talent you can get around them for a young guy like that. Uh, it's you know, it is what it is. It's not a nothing to get too excited about, but right. Know, I mean, it is what it is. The then the Colts don't really have too many big name wide receivers uh, that I would say are worth mentioning. So. I think they just went out and signed someone to try to get uh, more depth at the receiver position, especially when you have a, a rookie quarterback coming into this year. Um, you know, you want to try and get as much talent around him as possible, even if it's, you know, little talent like Brashad Perryman. But still, they're like I said, they're trying to build that depth at receiver and really help Anthony Richardson out. Yeah. Okay. So the Chiefs four-time Pro Bowl defensive tackle Chris Jones – whom Kansas City is open to signing to a contract extension. He did not show up to the team's mandatory minicamp. Um, this is if he doesn't come back next year. I mean, he's essentially was the best player on their defense last year, in my opinion. And if he doesn't come back next year, this defense is going to struggle. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really don't know. What's your opinion on that? I don't really don't know what the hype like if if they expect him to come back or. It just seems like uh, it's up in the air, I guess. And, you know, these mandatory mini camps, you see a lot of veteran players sometimes don't Skip even out show on up. It, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I get too concerned about missing a mandatory mini camp, but, you know, if he decides he's not showing up for like training camp come the end of next month, right? I, I would say, you know, that's definitely worrisome then. But, I mean, I think if he decides he's going to hold out, I would say that they would sign him to a long-term extension anyways because, like I said, he's he's definitely the best player on that defense. So you can't really let him go. You know, he was the anchor of that defensive line. You know, he was pretty much 
the most experienced player on your entire defensive unit last year. So I don't really think you want to let a guy like that go um, or you don't want him to hold out. You know, I think um, especially since they're not really other than Patrick Mahomes, they don't really have any big name contracts right now. So you can afford to sign a guy like Chris Jones to your roster and not really have any more of a cap hit than what Patrick Mahomes has already given you. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I think they'd be dumb to let him go. So I, I just couldn't see that happening. Yeah. I mean, not just talking about the chiefs, but I would say, you know, in the NFL as a whole, he's probably top five, you know, top 10 defensive tackles, you know, in the league. Um, and I don't know that they would have – probably would have done almost just as well. But, you know, he definitely gives them a slight advantage on defense over, you know, a lot of other teams, especially yeah. because of the talent that he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, like I said, if he decides he's holding out in the training camp, um, I, w- I would fully expect them to re-sign him and not let a guy like that go. Yep. Okay, so the Jets have agreed to terms with another former Packer. This time, <laughs> it's free agent safety Adrian Amos. Um, they signed him to a one-year deal, which is worth up to $4 million. And like I said, he is the latest former Green Bay Packer player to join the Jets this offseason. Uh, I think they're up to like uh, eight or nine, maybe ten former Packer players on the Jets roster this year so far. Uh, they just keep adding them. I mean... Adrian Amos, I think, uh, you know, watching him play the last couple of years in Green Bay, I think he was, you know, a pretty key part of that secondary. Um, and he's a decent safety, so they're getting a great uh, safety for, the, you know, the little bit of money that they're actually signing him to. So I think this is a smart decision for the Jets, and I think this is a great move for them. Yeah, and they also had to get somebody to go in for uh, um, safety, Chuck, uh, Chuck Clark. He tore his ACL, so he'd be out for the season. Right. Um, they got an MRI back, last, I think, yesterday for it, or it was at least released yesterday. Um, so they went out and got Adrian Amos. So he had to fill a void and he'll take what's left. But, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a good pickup still. Yeah, like I said, he's uh, he's been pretty uh, decent for the Packers the last couple of years he was there. So I think, you know, Signing to a defense like the Jets that's already got key, key players on it, you know, he's going to help them a little bit, but it's not really like he's going to make or break, uh, you know, that defense. Like I said, they're pretty um, they're pretty good already, so he's not really helping or hurting them, but he's definitely, yeah. he's definitely a key signing. Mm-hmm. All righty. So the Panthers – quarterback Bryce Young he was elevated to QB1 over Andy Dalton do you think this is a wise decision or should they have uh, open quarterback competition until the season starts I mean we went over situations like this in the, uh, in the past and I'm just going to keep standing where I stand uh, I just think if you have a young quarterback and you have a veteran quarterback that's there to kind of guide him in the right direction um, you just spent a first round pick or a first round draft on this Bryce Young, and you know what you got in Andy Dalton, which is in this point of his career, it's you know it might win you a few games, but right. it ain't going to get you to the playoffs. Um, I would just go obviously with Bryce Young, develop him starting now, and Andy Dalton. He's not going to like it, but he can be in his ear all he wants. Um, and try to help him out and be the bigger man. If Andy Dalton can't do that, then you know he can sit on the sideline and just shut his mouth because he is an ego. Ego. He he still feels like he deserves to be a starter. Andy, right. whether he's right or wrong, I'm not sure because maybe he is still better than some of the other starting quarterbacks in the NFL. But I'm going to develop the guy I just spent a first round pick on. Just right. my opinion. Yeah, and Andy Dalton, he's been all over the league the last few years other than, you know, that long stint he had with Cincinnati at the, you know, first 10 or 11 or whatever years it was of his career. He's played for the Cowboys. He's played for the Saints, um, the Bears. Uh, now he's with the Panthers. So, I mean, he's definitely 
been around the league. He's made his way around the league. Um, but I think Andy Dalton is, um, you know, he's a guy that's he's going to help you out if he has to go into key situations. Um, but he's definitely not, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. He's definitely declined since we've seen him, you know, his, his early years in Cincinnati. Like I said, he was, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the league, probably top 10. He was decent. Um, but, you know, his last couple of years there in Cincinnati, he started to decline, and then he's been playing more of a backup role these last couple of years, uh, except for, you know, last year in New Orleans. I think he did pretty well coming in in those few situations where they made him the starting quarterback. I mean, he could definitely still be among the starters in this league, but I think, you know, when you draft a guy high, especially first overall like Bryce Young, I mean, you're going to want to get him in there as quickly as possible and get him acclimated to the game. So I think maybe they should have not named him the starting quarterback quite yet, but I think it's going to be only a matter of time before he was named the starting quarterback and, you know, handed the reins over to him. Yeah, yeah. so why waste it? Right. You know, short amount of time. Just get it over with, in my opinion. We know what we got in Andy Dalton, so. Yeah. Um, but then again, on the other hand, uh, our next topic is, you know, the Texans. Uh, their head coach, D'Amico Ryan, said that the team will have an open quarterback competition between C.J. Stroud and last year's starting quarterback, Davis Mills, going into training camp, um, which this is I agree with. You know, obviously we know Davis Mills, you know, his performance last year, they only won three games. He's not going to be the starting quarterback this year at all. You know, we already know that, you know, they drafted CJ Stroud second overall with the intent of making him the starting quarterback this year. So we know Davis Mills is not going to run away with this competition and be named the starting quarterback. But at the same time, you know, it's good for like we keep saying a young guy like CJ Stroud to have that competition to kind of make him better and get him ready for, you know, the season opener in September because he's going to need all the help he can get. You know, it is a big transition from college to the NFL. Yeah, and uh, Texans aren't exactly the smartest team organization. Right. Um, <laughs> so I don't know where they're going with this. I don't know if that's a bad negative thing on uh, Shroud, saying he he hasn't looked what they had expected him to just look coming up uh, from college. Or they're saying they just want a – full out, you know, war to really get both quarterbacks uh, taken this serious and see, you know, everything they got. And obviously they expect to roll with the CJ. Um, I'm going to assume it's going to be the second reason <laughs> they're going to expect to go with CJ and they're just trying to, you know, get them hyped up and, you know, make them feel like there's a competition when there's really not. But, you know, right. like I said, tex Texans aren't the best organization. So, Right. And, you know, you got a rookie head coach. So this is his first uh, training camp with, you know, a team under his belt. Uh, but I think – I do think that it is good for the backup quarterback to get some reps with the first team offense. Um, you Not know. in this situation, though, because, you know, Davis Mill was starter all, all year last year, so – I know, but I you wouldn't know, say you it always, really benefit you, them too much. You always have, uh, you know, the offenses are never the same. You know, you always have new players, uh, you know, but it's always a good thing, even though he's going to be the backup to get first team reps because if something does happen to, to CJ Stroud where he gets injured and, and Davis Mills has to step in, you know, he's going to get, he already knows what he's doing. He's got time with those players on that first team offense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we've still got, what is it, like a month until training camp, the second to last week or the last week of July most teams. So, mm -hmm. I mean, who knows? Maybe by the time training camp rolls around, C.J. Stroud will be will have been named the starter. Um, who knows? We've got some time. Like I said, we've got about a month. Um, and then July is the last month we have with no football because <laughs> – August, you have your preseason, and then September, the regular season starts. So, 
we're on the cusp of the final month without football. Yeah, it goes quick, doesn't it? Yeah, it's weird to think though. Like right after the Super Bowl ends, you're like, oh, we got to wait like six months until we have football again, and then you know, next thing you know, it's here already. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, exciting. No, it's, it's pretty nuts. It's yeah. kind of sad how fast time goes, though. Yeah, it's sad, but you know, as as long as football's around, you know, life's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, so Cardinals linebacker Isaiah Simmons confirms that he is changing positions to defensive back after the Cardinals declined his fifth year option. Do you think this is a wise decision for a linebacker to switch to defensive back? Yeah, I don't know. I'd never really. It's just, was he a defensive back in his college career? No, he was, he was a linebacker. Now, he is one of the smaller linebackers in the league. I believe he's like 230-something. So Does he mean more he'd play more like nickel or he's probably that what gonna, he's meaning? He's pro, uh, I mean, he's playing defensive back. I don't know like what depth he's going to be. Like he's not just going to go hop into a corner and play routes. I mean, he's playing defensive like a, back. I would imagine he is. Yeah, but maybe more like a like a like a in certain situations where since see uh, oh, he's, he's changing positions. You, you know what I mean? He's like yeah. he's like he he'll be brought in like a dime package or uh, maybe some nickel packages where they need to get a linebacker off the field. As one of starting linebacker, and he'll be more of a in coverage linebacker kind of guy, like a hybrid. As, as far as I know, he's going to be full time defensive back. Now, I don't think I it's mean it's weird to me. He was uh, well, he was a first round pick for them, so I can't imagine that he's going to be you know just a special a special package defensive back. I I would imagine that he's probably going to play defensive back. You know most of the snaps. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, he is, he was one, of, was one of the smaller linebackers in the league at like, I think he's the reason at two thirty four. but then mm-hmm. again, you know, that's on the larger side for a defensive back, but you know, some of those bigger guys like Calvin Johnson, I think he was two thirty something, two forty something. And he's quick too. So, you know, you, but you can't, I, I don't know. We haven't seen too many guys, change positions and be successful at it. You know, it's something, right. it's something you rarely ever hear of. I mean, I know, um, I can't think of the, his name, the tight end for the commanders. He was, he was a quarterback and then switched to tight end. Um, and I'm drawing a bunch. Oh yeah. Who was that? I'm drawing a bunch. Saying that during the broadcast. Yeah. But he was, he was played quarterback in college at Virginia tech. And then I think he was with, the played quarterback for the Cardinals for a little bit and then transitioned to tight end. Um, I can't think of his name. I'm drawing a blank shit. I think maybe they're going off of his, off of his speed because he's a four, three guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe that's what they're considering. Uh, he's just so athletic and he's so fast that they, they feel like they can, Transition him pretty easily. I don't know. I'm not a professional NFL scout that can determine this stuff or, you know, whatever. Uh, but uh, Logan, I don't know. Thomas, just... Logan Thomas is. Oh, Logan Thomas. Yeah. yeah. He's a big boy. Yeah. Like I said, he played um, college football. For, he played quarterback for Virginia Tech. And then I think he was drafted to the Cardinals. And I think he transitioned to tight end when he was still with the Cardinals. But, you know, he, he is one of those. Um, Logan Thomas, where he's actually kind of had more success playing tight end than he ever did playing quarterback. So, I mean, in some situations it can work out, but to transition yeah. from linebacker. Yeah, but going from quarterback, the hardest position in the sport, to a tight end, which is probably, some people might argue, one of the easier positions in the sport. Um is different than going from linebacker, which is a very difficult position. You have to redetermine plays. Anything on defense is going to be tough. And then going to a defensive back where you're literally, you know, relying on, uh, you know, 
relying on almost guessing routes at sometimes following hips and following turns. You got to know how right. to turn your body in now. It's, I don't know, man, that's a rough, uh, maybe, maybe he's had, you know, he's had training in it before or something, or they've already tried it out and he's a natural, but you know, like you said, it's can be probably pretty tough to just accomplish this. Yeah. And I mean, he's a better time than any to change position because, you know, like I said, he's, uh, probably he probably was defensive back for you know the entire mini camp, possibly even OTAs, um, you know, and he's going to go into a full training camp this off season at that position, and then you know preseason and, all, and then the start of the season. So, I mean, he's definitely going to get the tr- proper training and what he needs to play defensive back. But I don't know. I just <laughs> and I'm I'm sure it'll work out for him. I'm sure he'll do great at. Well, I mean, not great, but I'm sure he'll do good at his new position. But it's always a little puzzling to me and, you know, a little risky when, you know, you have a player change positions. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it works out for him. Well, Uh, it's kind of weird. The only one I can really think of it now uh, is like um, Dallas's defensive end. He was the linebacker. Uh, Jesus. and And that makes sense. Yeah, and it does have, make sense. And you're going and you, from a linebacker, which might be a little bit tougher of a position to run than a defensive end. Uh, so you're kind of not downgrading, but you're. it's a different style. And it's not like you have to learn anything extra. You've right. always been used in that kind of way. Uh, but he's, he's going from hard to, in my opinion, way harder. Yeah, and when you have – like Michael Parsons, well, wow. yeah, Michael Parsons, yeah. When you have an edge rusher, trans, you know, transition into a linebacker or a linebacker transition into an edge rusher, like that makes sense because they're both linebackers and defensive ends are both you know similar size, similar speed. And um, a lot of people they'll they'll put you know defensive end slash linebacker on their resumes. Right. You know what I mean? You know, they're right. pretty similar in a way. Yeah, like I said, they're they're you know both those positions are similar size, you know, similar you know, motors, you know, size wise, talent wise, you know, so they're both similar positions. So that makes sense. But, you know, to transition from linebacker, you know, which is primarily, you know, big beefy, you know, hitters, you know, stuff like that to a defensive back where you kind of have to be quick. You have to play well, pass coverage. Um, You know, sometimes a linebacker has to go out for pass coverage on a tight end or possibly a wide receiver, depending on, you know, what the opposing offense, what they're, if they're coming in with a four or five receiver set. So, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. he may have had to play defensive back, but to do it full time after playing linebacker your entire career and college career, uh, it's going to be a tough transition for him. You're right. Yeah, I, I agree. We'll see, though. It's going to be cool to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely going to be fun. I'm going to keep an eye on him this year and see what he does. And I wish him the best of luck in his new position. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so I know last episode we talked to you guys about um, wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. He was visiting the Titans, and then he had a visit set up with the Patriots. Um, But the Titans have shifted their focus away from signing DeAndre Hopkins uh, with the expectations that he will sign with the Patriots. And I know when he visited with the Titans, you know, you didn't really hear too much about that. Um, But then when he – did his interview and his workout and stuff with the Patriots. I noticed that he was walking around the locker room with, you know, the players afterwards and he was even posting selfies online with a few guys. So, I mean, definitely, definitely seems like he wants to sign with new England and I know coach Bill Belichick loves him. So it makes sense. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think he def I think he might sign with the, the Patriots here. Yeah, no, that's what it sounded like. And uh, on the Pat McAfee today, uh, show today, he said, from his sources, he will be a Patriot. So, yeah, uh, I think I, he fits in well there, and they needed a guy like him for uh, Mac Jones. So, yeah, I agree. Um, as long as he can stay healthy, that is. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's what in his early thirties, or he is thirties, um, so he's right around there. So he, is, but he has been injured. Uh, we have seen recently, but at the same time, you know, he hasn't really had in Arizona when he was there, there wasn't really 
you know, a number two receiver that the Cardinals could rely on. So he was kind of the workhorse for that team. But, you know, now right. going in, going to the Patriots where you're going to have um, – I mean, they had Bruda Baker. Or not Bruda Baker. Uh, the guy that went – Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know why. Yeah, I, I mean, you could yeah make that argument for Christian Kirk. Um, but now he's coming into the Patriots – um, and they're going to have, you know, number two. Well, all right. So let me ask you this: Who would you do like one and two receiver if they send DeAndre Hopkins? Would DeAndre Hopkins be one, and Juju be number two receiver, or would you do it the opposite? Oh, sure. Uh, I would have. Yeah, you know, it doesn't really matter too much. They both be playing outsides. Um, you're definitely going to get more speed out of Juju. That's right. one thing people forget a lot about Juju. He's he's pretty fast, um, yeah. which is surprising. He doesn't look like a guy that's fast. Right. I don't, when I think of Juju, I don't think of fast. I don't know why. Uh, but I want to say he's a 4-4 four, four or 4-3. Four, um, so he is a really fast guy. And uh, then you got Hopkins. He's just a lengthy guy that just doesn't drop anything. So you're going to play them both on the outside. It doesn't matter too much if you're one and two. Right. Um, you could probably even throw Hopkins inside a little bit and um, – let him run some, you know, uh, between the hash marks. Um, I don't know. It's Belichick's offense, and you know he'll get creative with it for Mac Jones. Uh, definitely, so yeah. It's gonna be, it's gonna be cool to see Hopkins in that offense. And I just didn't like him for the Cardinals, and I just think he didn't fit in well there. And I think him and Kyler, or Kyle, yeah, Kyler. Um, I'm just calling him Kylie. <laughs> he acts like a fucking Kylie. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they got along from the from the jump, so uh, I just you know a little guy like that barking orders at somebody that's been in the league for how long. I yeah. just it just never seemed to. I don't know. I don't. You could they could say whatever they want in front of the media, but it you, you kind of seen it. And when Hopkins got injured, I'm sure he's like, well, thank God, I'm yeah. sit on the fucking sideline and deal with that guy. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean. Obviously, you're going to see more production out of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I think Mac Jones, too, is a better quarterback than Kyler Murray. So I think we're going to see more production. That, out of, in a different style. Right. Kyler. Uh, Kyler Mac was, Jones can scramble randomly. Right. It's just but, like a random guy. But, yeah, like he's more of a Tom Brady stand in the pocket right. uh, zombie runner kind of guy. Yep. Whereas Kyler – Kyler's yeah. more of like a Jalen Hurts type where he's run first mentality. And, and so, Kyler can have an arm too. Like for a, a little can, guy, yeah. he can like random games. He'll be, he'd be, he'll be throwing them downfield, just straight up bombing them into people's arms. And it's like, wow, that was pretty damn good. But then, yeah, but how often he does just that happen? like tries to, yeah, he's almost like a Carson Wentz where he just yeah. tries to do too much, too much in the back end. Right. And uh, it just turns, you know, for the worst. Yeah. I mean, definitely as far as like passer wise goes, I would probably take Mac Jones over Kyler Murray, um, which I think is going to be one of the reasons why DeAndre Hopkins is going to have a little bit more success with the Patriots than he did in Arizona. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also think this is going to be good for Mac Jones, you know, having the one, two punch like Hopkins and Juju, you know, it might, up his game a little bit more and make him a little bit better coming into this year, which is what he really needs because last year they didn't really have a, a good receiver for him to rely on, you know, even with them being injured, you know, the games he was healthy and played, you know, he didn't really do too well because of the, you know, not so much depth that they've had at wide receiver. So I think this is going to be good for Mac. I think it's going to be good for Deandre. I think this, these two are going to pair really well together, you know, and the mastermind that is Bill Belichick is going to, you know, make these three guys better than they would have been probably anywhere else. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay. So let's dive into our state of the franchise segment this week. Now this week we are probably going to be discussing the best team in the NFL, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Cowboys, Cowboys are ready this week. No, 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 no. That's going to be one of the worst teams. But, uh, <laughs> we will be getting, our first team we're going to be getting into is the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. Uh, they finished 9-8, and eight, which was first place in the AFC South last year. Um, as far as offensive statistics, um, they did average 23.9 points per game, 
which was ninth overall in the league. They averaged averaged 358.6 yards per game, which was number seventh in the league last year. Third down conversion percentage, they were 41, which was number 10 in the league last year. Fourth down conversion percentage, they were 12th in the league with 53%. Red zone scoring percentage, they were 55%, which was 17th in the league. And their rushing yards per game, they were 125.1, which was 14th in the league last year. And then passing yards per game, they were 233.5, which was number 10 in the league last year. And how did they do on defense, Matt? Uh, opponent yards per game. This is how much yards per game they allow their opponent. Uh, they were 24th with 352 yards per game. Opponent rushing yards per game, they were 12th. Um, a little under average at 113 yards per game and opponent passing yards per game. They were 27th in the league at 238 yards per game. And uh, key defensive stats for them would be opponent completion percentage was 64% and opponent red zone scoring percentage would be 61%. So... Not so, the best on all aspects. Not, yeah, not too great. Um, but all around, this is a very, very young team yet. Um, and you can see that, you know, just looking at either side of the ball. I mean, they've got, you know, like I said, guys on either side of the ball that are in their second, third year. So, I mean, this team is very young. Um, Offensive-wise, they're going to have key components like quarterback Trevor Lawrence coming back. Uh, running back Travis Etienne's coming back, you know, wide receiver Christian Kirk. Um, and they did trade for, you know, wide receiver Calvin Ridley from the Falcons. So he's going to be, he just got reinstated after his suspension this offseason. So he's going to be, you know, a big. That's going to be your there. biggest addition. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, and he's already looking good uh, from what I've seen as far as him and Trevor Lawrence, you know, throwing together. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, and then as far as defensive players coming back, the two key ones we're going to have is defensive edge rusher Josh Allen and then linebacker slash edge rusher Trayvon Walker. So, I mean, like I said, this team is very young, but they've got a great head coach in Doug Peterson. Um, and we've discussed this many, many times before. I mean, if anybody's going to make Trevor Lawrence have a career, it's going to be Doug Peterson. Um just an offensive mastermind with what he did when he was in Philly. Um, and then, you know, when he was on Andy Reid's staff in Kansas city. So, I mean, I think this team is only going to get better from here on out. I think they do better than they did last year. Uh, last year, they started the season off pretty slow. Uh, they were well under 500 at one point. Uh, and then they kind of turned things around and came back and won that division. So I could definitely see them, winning the division again, maybe doing a little bit better than they did, possibly 10, 11 wins. Uh, but I don't see any other team in that AFC South division beating out Jacksonville for the division. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think they're going to be even more dominant than what they were last year. So, uh, yeah, I I agree with every word you say. And uh, Calvin Ridley, as long as he doesn't bet – hundred dollars on another game. I think he should be okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I don't know what's going on, but more and more we keep seeing players getting suspended for that. <laughs> Stupid asses. No, no. Like, are they doing it under their? Own? We talked about this before. Are they doing it under their own name or like a family's uh, name and just getting caught? I don't understand I, how you would get caught. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really read too much into it, but I, I, I think some of them were not using their own names. Um, and I'm not sure how they were still getting caught. Like I didn't realize the NFL was investigating that far into it. <laughs> like you've got yeah. you got thousands of players in the league, and you're digging into each one to see if they're using someone else's name to bet. Like I don't know. Yeah. And maybe who yeah. knows? Maybe, maybe the NFL has their own gambling investigative team or whatever. I, I have no idea. But <laughs> I mean, like the Calvin Ridley thing. I think his he bet like eighteen hundred dollars on a game, which to him is pocket change. I mean, why, if you're going to take the risk of getting suspended, make it worth your while. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. Wow. Well, 
it's just uh, amazing. I, I don't understand how they could give a shit about that few hundred bucks or a few thousand bucks that they actually win if they do. Um, you know, I, <laughs> it just makes no sense to me. He yeah. bet a thousand dollars, wasn't it? It wasn't something stupid like that. It was, it was like eighteen hundred bucks or yeah, something like that. Nothing really so stupid. Like, substantial. okay, you win, then what? Yeah, and you get a couple thousand bucks. Oh, yeah. you're a millionaire. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't get it either. <laughs> you know, I, but I mean, uh, it's it's NFL rules. You know, they have the gambling policy. I mean, he broke the policy. You know, he knew the consequences. So, I mean, at the same time, you know, he kind of knew what he was getting himself into there. So you can't, you know, blame the NFL yeah. for disciplining him when they have that rule. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how guys keep getting caught doing this stuff. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know. Like, yeah. put like, out a good. Netflix documentary about it. Yeah, like, I don't know. I just want heads. To yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. All right. So, our second and final team this week in our State of the Franchise segment is going to be the New York Giants. Now, last year they finished nine, seven, and one, which was third place in the NFC East. Which is still kind of mind blowing to me that they were nine seven and one and only finished third place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as offensive statistics go, for points per game, they had scored twenty one point two, which was eighteenth in the league. Yards per game, they were at three thirty three point four, which was nineteenth in the league. Third down percentage, they were thirty seven point eight, which was twenty second in the league. Fourth down percentage, they were right around 50%, which was 16th in the league. Red zone scoring percentage, they were 64.8%, which was 5th in the league. Rushing yards per game, they had 146.3 per game, which was 6th in the league. And then passing yards per game, they were towards the bottom with 187.1, which was 26th in the league. At Defensively, Matt, how did they do? Um, as far as opponent yards per game, they were 25th in the league at 259 yards. Um, opponent rushing yards per game, they were 28th uh, at 146 yards. And passing yards per game, they were 13th at 213 yards. And key defensive stats on their defensive squad would be opponent completion percentage 62%. And red zone scoring, opponent red zone scoring, fifty-two percent. So, not really anything to blow the doors <laughs> off. No, I mean obviously this team's Achilles' heel is their passing game, um, which isn't necessarily all on Daniel Jones. I mean, they haven't really had any receivers the last couple None. of years. Uh, really, since they let OBJ go, they haven't had any receivers. Uh, now they did pick up, they did trade for t- uh, Raiders tight end Darren Waller this off season, so he's going to be huge in the passing game for Daniel Jones. Um, I think he's going to be more of a security blanket to him than anything else. I mean, they haven't really gotten any wide receivers worth mentioning. So it's going to be the same thing again next year, uh, slightly better probably because of the Darren Waller trade, um, you know. But Daniel Jones is going to be back next year. He just signed that four-year extension this offseason. Um, running back Saquon Barkley is still questionable, uh, but I think he does come back next year even if they don't sign him to an extension. I think he still shows up and plays this coming year. Um, and then, like I said, they did sign – or they did trade for tight end Darren Waller, so he's going to be a big key piece of that. And then on defense, they're going to have nose tackle Dexter Lawrence, who they just signed to that extension uh, this offseason. Um, defensive tackle Leonard Williams is coming back. And then mm-hmm. uh, linebacker slash edge rusher Kayvon uh, Thibodeau is going to be coming back too. So this team's got some talent um, on both yeah. sides on both sides of the ball. So, I mean, for them to – only go nine seven and one last year. Now they did win a playoff game in Minnesota against the Vikings, but then got annihilated the following week by the Eagles. So, I mean, I think they're going to have to step up their game if they want to compete in that division, especially since the Eagles are still going to be pretty good next year. You know, I expect the Dallas Cowboys to be right around where they finished this past year too. So, you know, both of those teams 
are probably going to be one and two in the division. I can see the Giants finishing third place again, possibly second, depending on you know how the top three teams go. Um, like I said, they're going to have to step up their game, especially in that division. You know, and it's weird to think that this is now one of the better divisions in football when, you know, a, a year or two ago we were discussing how it was one of the worst divisions in football and it just completely turned itself around. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't see the Giants doing really any better than third, possibly second place in the division in 2023. Yeah, I mean, if they get second, it's going to be a blooper. Yeah. Um and I don't see, see uh, NFC East uh, shelling out three teams again. Um, right. I think a lot of teams in the NFC East or NFC um, really stepped up their rosters and stuff uh, across the board. Right. So I don't think you could see that again. Um, if it does happen again, that's going to be mind-blowing to me. Um, I see <coughs> probably uh, Dallas as a number one spot and Eagles as a number two. Uh, close to, if not flip flopped, and then you know, um, Giants. I don't think they're going to be even making it this year. Um, I just don't think they had enough improvements, um, in my opinion. You don't think and, that they're going to make the playoffs? I don't. I just don't see it, and uh, I do think Saquon's going to play, but um, I just think other teams have gotten much better than what they have. Um, and it just won't it'll just come down to not them not having a spot. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I just don't think they will. And I, I don't see Washington doing anything because, once again, I don't even know who their quarterback is. <laughs> Sam it's Howell. Like every, it's just every year thing with them. Yeah. They just, just quarterback mystery. They'll never get it right. I don't care if they sell the team <laughs> and change names 300 more times. I just yeah. – they'll never get it right. And Giants, I feel like – they just don't have, you know, even last year when we, when they beat the Vikings in the first round, it's like, how? You know what I mean, if it wasn't Kirk Cousins on the other side, yeah, in prime they time. wouldn't. They, in prime time, they wouldn't have won. <laughs> yeah, I just they have no nobody, and they've gotten better, but I don't know. I just I think Dayball is a really good coach, and he's really trying with limited roster talent, and yeah. that says a lot about him. Um, I like Daniel Jones. He really cleaned up his game last year. I think it was his lowest interception rate of his career. And uh, Saquon staying healthy definitely helped with that too because <laughs> it made people play up in the box a little bit more. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll see where they go. I could be completely wrong, but that's just my projections. And I think Eagles will take a little bit of a decline. They've lost a few key factors. Uh, nothing too crazy is as we originally thought, but uh, they also made up with her in other places. But I don't know. We'll see. It's a lot yeah, to take in. I don't think the Eagles are going to decline enough for the Giants to ever, you know, show no, them No, no. That's not what I meant. But, uh, you know, I mean, I can still see the Giants making the playoffs. Uh, you know, they're going to finish with around the same record that they had last year. Probably won't have the tie, but, you know, I, I can see them finishing nine and eight. Uh, worst case scenario, eight and nine, which probably won't be good enough for a playoff spot, but I could see them making the yeah. playoffs again. Um, but like you said, there's so many teams in the NFC that kind of stepped up their game. Um, and I think we're going to see kind of, you know, a similar situation. You know, the only thing I can see is like maybe the Cowboys and Eagles kind of, you know, towards the end of the season, there, neck and neck for first place. And then whichever one doesn't win finishes second place in the division. So, and like you said, I agree with you on about the Washington situation. They're never going to figure it out. They're going to be at the bottom of that division for you know the near future. Um, and they I only think, sneak in when uh, the other teams are just that pathetic. Like right. literally, that's that's the time that Washington's like, oh, it's our chance. Uh, either that or like this past year when they were doing so well for like all that time. Like it was a team where, you know, Taylor Heineke, not nothing against him, but he wasn't a guy that was ever going to take a team to the playoffs. And then here he comes in and has a winning record. And like, there's, there's, they're not good, but you know, when you don't expect them to be, then they're amazing. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's it's, it's it's a weird situation. Like they're very weird. It's like, I don't know. They could they could be like zero and fifteen and go up against a fifteen and zero team and win the game like 
They're, it's just yeah, that, and they do that all the time. Yeah, I it, just don't get it. it. It's a weird situation. I mean, and had it not been for Carson Wentz, they might have had a winning <laughs> record and made it to the playoffs. But I uh, mean, yeah. had it not been for Riverboat Ron making that call, I don't understand what that was. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's kicking himself in the ass for that one too. Because and the bad thing is that they don't have a bad defense. They actually have a solid roster of talent on defense. And, and even on offense, that's where too. I, Yeah, oh, yeah, you're right about that. Like, scary, scary McLaurin and – Yeah, uh, and then Robinson, their running back. The, Robinson, you know. Bijan, yeah. Um, but, I mean, other than the quarterback position, like, that team might be good if they had a quarterback. Because like yeah. every pretty much every other position they have figured out essentially, other than maybe offensive line. But I mean, I mean you're right. Yeah, they, they just that that is it. That's their problem every season. If they would just like in, invest in a decent quarterback for one year, I think they could be a decent team with this current roster. It's just think, like, we, we know they're not. It's not going to happen. So. Right. Do you think if they would have kept Kirk Cousins, if they might be? Oh yeah, it'd be much better. Well, I don't want to say like, you know, obviously now with the you know how good the Cowboys and the Eagles are, I don't know that they would be a division winner every year. But I think if they would have kept Kirk, they definitely would have won a few division titles since then. Oh yeah, for sure. I think he was definitely their best quarterback. Um, well, I can't even remember a good quarterback that they. Alex Smith was good, but you know he was only there for such a limited time. Yeah, uh, and the gruesome injury. But yeah. uh, can you remember any other good quarterbacks? I, I from them, I really. I'm not it's, being an ass. I, I, I don't yeah, think I can remember. It's hard. Any. I mean, they've just never been a team that's uh, been fond of quarterbacks. I mean. It's like they're trying to prove something, and then eventually, when they get that one lucky year where they have a good season without a quarterback, like told you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, obviously Taylor Heineke, he did his fair share this past season, so I don't know why they didn't keep him. But I mean, Sam Howell isn't the answer. We know that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we don't know that. I mean, we've only seen him. He only started and played in one game this year, so. You know, he could be decent, but, you know, I don't ever see him being the guy that's going to put this team on his back and take them to the playoffs, especially, you know, in as good of a division as we keep talking about. So, like you said, the the key factor there is the quarterback position. So if they could figure that out ever, you know, they might be a scary team, but I don't see them <laughs> figuring that out in the near future. Yeah. Yeah, it's just And who knows, maybe they're trying to tank this year to get a good quarterback next year. I mean, well, um, isn't it getting sold or what? Yeah, they if it's, it's essentially the deal's done. It's been sold already, so but I mean, they're going to next year in the next year's draft, there's there's a big talk around that uh, around a USC quarterback Caleb Williams. So, you know, whoever he goes to is they're going to get a decent quarterback out of him. So, I think I don't want to say they're tanking because I don't like to believe any team does that. But, I mean, if they happen to get I'm a- not tanking this roster, though. I think it's too right. good to, to be tankable. I mean, much as we just made an ass out of them, it's right. still too good. It's not like uh, – Overall, the roster is a very good roster. Yeah, it you is. Know, and a lot of teams would go yeah. farther with it than what Washington does. They just have a terrible uh, – organization as a whole you know right. everything from their stadium to their ownership. field to the ownership to yeah. to their quarterback <laughs> just they're always their quarterback uh, yeah, yeah i don't know i just i just don't get it and i don't think we ever will and when it changes hands maybe uh once they get a new gm and all that shit but right now it's just and maybe they're just trying to build the world's greatest defense so they don't need a quarterback. You know what I mean? Like we've seen how Stop many trying times. to reinvent the wheel. Just get a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many, we've seen – I mean, it's worked <laughs> a few times where we've seen teams have a phenomenal defense and not, not a great quarterback and still win a Super Bowl. But is it going to happen for Washington? Those I are legend, legendary defenses. Legendary, like, what, yeah. two, 2,000 Ravens. and Yeah, the 2002 Bucks, the 85 Bears. Bears. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, those are legendary defenses that only come along every so often. I mean, that should have been a Legion of Boom. Yeah. If he wouldn't have thrown the ball. (laughs) I mean, they still won a Super Bowl. (laughs) That's true, yeah. Yeah, they could have won two then. They could have won two, yeah, though. But, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You ever watch that over? I watched the TikToks on that, and they're like, "Yeah, she went to Sherman and Pete Carroll." Just their reactions after that happened. <laughs> no, it was uh, what's that show called on on the where the Impractical Jokers? Oh yeah, they say uh, they are in Russ's ear, and they're like, "Okay, now throw the ball, come on, throw <laughs> yeah. <and> play." Yeah, <laughs> and then they start dying laughing. <laughs> like we were just kidding yeah. or whatever. Yeah, oh, that's uh, great. <laughs> Who would throw uh, that with the Marshawn Lynch right there? Well, see, that's the beauty of it, though. That's exactly—I I get it. They're trying to get exactly what they were expecting. It. Yeah, I would have uh, just done it. Yeah, I mean, I would have. What down was it too? Uh, I think it was like second or third down. But you know, they they tried to you know get in the heads of New England and trick them and. It didn't work out for him. So. <laughs> Tom Brady's eyes after that, he just like, is this real? He, is this, yeah. is this real? he just put his eyes, his hands up. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's great. That was great, yeah. yeah. I wonder how that locker room went after that. Wow. Yeah, I mean. Who the fuck, you know, defense probably screaming at the offense. Who the fuck called that play? Yeah, Danger Russ was probably getting it after that one. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. All right. All right. Well, go ahead. No, you're good. I was done. All right. All right, folks, that is going to do it for another edition of Late Hit with Matt and Tyler. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week, discuss some more topics from around the league again, and then do another set of teams for our State of the Franchise segment. Don't forget to follow, listen, like, subscribe, comment. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, we are at Late Hit PFR on Twitter. I am at T underscore Luddy, and Matt is at Matt PFR on Twitter. So please follow us. Please listen, subscribe, whatever you guys got to do. We'd love to hear from you. But we'll talk to you guys next week, and thanks for tuning in. Have a good one.